Well, good morning. It's great to uh, be with you. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're joining us online and at home or in your car, wherever. And thanks to all of you who are coming here uh, in person. It's great to be with you. Uh, I want to say thank you as well to all of you who bought tickets for our Twins Game fundraiser. We sold a record 103. It was incredible. Far beyond my little bit, of, little bit of faith for that event. We had a great time together, and the Twins lost. Uh, that's kind of a theme this year, sorry. <laughs> but we had a great time together. And uh, our kids' ministry really is blessed because of it. We are having another one, Monday, August 9. If you couldn't get in on that one and want to come with us, please, uh, please let you know more about that coming up. We are in the final week of our sermon series, Creators, Not Consumers. I hope you found it stimulating and encouraging. I, I have. Uh, today I want to wrap up that series, and then next week we'll start a new series for the, through the summer on, on women of faith from the Bible and through the history of the church. Uh, but today I want to explore with you two ways that you and I can partner with God and change the world by loving and blessing people from every nation. And these, those two ways are, one, we can be a blessing by welcoming people who are coming to our country from other nations. And two, we can be a blessing by going to the nations and sharing God's great love with everyone that we meet. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you love each one of us. And as we just sang, you love us all the same. You have great love for us. You love people from every nation. I thank you, and it's Isaiah 49, 6, where you said, it's too small a thing for, for the Messiah just to save Israel. You've come to be a light to the nations, Jesus. And we thank you as you shine upon our lives, we too become a light to the nations. Would you help us love well? Would you help us welcome well? Would you help us go well to people in other nations and to share the good news of Jesus? Meet us today, we pray. In your name, amen. Would you please think with me for a minute? What are some of the challenges you and I might face as we try to be a blessing to someone from another nation? Uh, we may have language issues. Uh, my wife Sue and I are slowly learning Spanish, very slowly, <laughs> uh, but we're learning. Uh, we may have cultural differences, in, so we have language issues, but we may have cultural differences in how we approach family life, how we approach managing time, how we have communication styles. But you know, in every challenge, there is an opportunity to grow. What are some of the growth opportunities as we choose to be a blessing to people from other nations? Oh, we can discover new ways of doing life. We can discover new foods. That's a great thing, right? How many like new foods? Anybody here? Anybody here like food at all? Anyway, yeah. Uh, new music. Uh, I'll just say this. Uh, I've had the privilege of going and serving in Mexico for about 25 years. And I love worshiping in, in, in every language. But there's something that happens to me when I'm in Mexico singing in Spanish. I don't know whether it's just an expressiveness of the culture or what. Something inside, even a Scandahuvian and half Irish person like me, it comes out. It's like awesome. Uh, and we can learn to see and experience God through the lens of a different culture. 
Now, one of the greatest joys in my life has been getting to know and love people from other nations. And I'm just going to reference three of them. They're going to come up on the screen, their pictures. First, dear friends like Teddy and Leila Mawson and their daughters, Jemina and Johanna. You'll see a picture of Jemina's high school graduation up there. They came from the Philippines, and they've been part of River Heights, part of our family, for many years. Now, I believe God sent Teddy and Layla and their girls to the U.S. to bless our River Heights family and to bless our nation. And I believe we've been a blessing to them by welcoming them into our family. I've learned so much about faithfulness to God and loving children from Teddy and Layla as we served the two- to four-year-olds together for a couple years down in the lower level. Second, dear friends like Mario and Leti Santayan, whom God sent to plant and establish churches in Puerto Vallarta. We've had the privilege of partnering with Mario and Letty for over 15 years. We go with God's blessing to Vallarta, and we receive God's blessing as they welcome us. I've learned so much from Mario and Letty about caring for family and patiently loving people over the long haul. Three, dear friends like Antoine and Marta Duran, whom God sent from Ecuador to the U.S. to bless many, many people with the good news of Jesus. They're doing that right now just down the hall in our original auditorium. They're amazing pastors, and they're doing a wonderful job of building a loving family at Lavinia Inver. And we have had the opportunity and continue to have the opportunity of blessing them and welcoming and partnering with them. Now, God's plan to bless all nations has brought us together, and it keeps us together. Now, God's plan has a very surprising beginning. We find that story in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1.31 says, Then God looked over all he'd made, and he saw that it was very good. Not just barely good, but very good. But in Genesis 3, we see God's archenemy, the devil, tempting Adam and Eve to rebel against God and live life on their own. Sadly, they believed the serpent's lie, and they broke God's command, which broke their life and our life and all creation. Evil invaded God's good world, and death and destruction began to multiply all over the world. You only have to watch or listen or read the news to know that's still going on. But what will God do to rescue people like you and I and all the nations and restore his creation? Christopher J.H. Wright, in his wonderful book, The Mission of God's People, says this. He said, he said, something that only God could have thought of. God sees an elderly, childless couple in the land of Babel itself and decides to make them the launch pad of his whole mission of cosmic redemption. That, that makes all the sense in the world, right? You'd, pick, you'd figure that out, wouldn't you? Now, one can almost hear the sharp intake of breath among the angels when the astonishing plan was revealed. They knew, as the reader of Genesis 1-11 to now knows, the sheer scale of devastation that serpentine evil and human recalcitrance have wrought in God's creation. What sort of an answer can be provided through Abram and Sarai? Yet that is precisely the scale that follows. The call of Abram is the beginning of God's answer to the evil in human hearts, the strife of nations, and the groaning brokenness of his whole creation. It is the beginning of the mission of God, and it is the beginning of the mission of God's people. Thank God for his amazing plan. I think it's in Corinthians where Paul says, 
the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. So here is God's call to Abram in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. That means God's going to protect us. And all peoples on earth, can you say all peoples with me? All peoples. Say that one more time, just a little louder. All peoples. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm becoming like my mom. She talked really loud because she couldn't hear herself very well. So sorry if I jar you once in a while with a little increase in volume. Uh, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, the key words, the, key, the three key things in this were, one, go, two, I will bless you, and three, be a blessing. It's translated, I will, you will be a blessing. It's literally a verb or the imperative sense. You go and be a blessing. Okay? So God's plan to bless is to bless all nations through one nation, Israel, through Abraham's descendant, Jesus. So what was Abraham's responsibility in God's great plan? What is your responsibility? What is my responsibility in God's great plan? Well, Abraham's responsibility was to get up and go and to believe and obey. God called him to leave his country, his people, his family, and go to the land he would show him. Abraham and Sarai became foreigners, strangers, or immigrants in a new land. And their faith and obedience were tested over and over as they followed God. Newsflash, your faith and obedience are going to be tested over and over as well. Aren't you glad for that? Can I hear a hand? Yay! It's kind of a muted clap there. <laughs> like it or not, we're always tested. You know, my dad was a lifelong educator, superintendent of schools, and he used to tell me, John, don't be afraid of tests. They're your friends. I'd look at him like, what? <laughs> he said, because without tests, you have no idea where you actually are, what you've learned, what you need to learn. Tests are your friends, John. And I'd say, like, yeah, right, right, Dad, right. <laughs> I do believe him. I'm still not, like, thrilled with tests <laughs> any more than you are. But friends, they are meant for your good and for my good. Thirty years ago, God spoke to my wife Sue and I, I'm bringing this chapter of your life to a conclusion, and a new chapter is about to be written. God was calling Sue and I to get up and go all the way from Prior Lake to Invergrove Heights, 25 miles. <laughs> I still remember we didn't move for the first year because our house needed to have a lot of work done on it. But I would drive over here in the early part of the day and spend the day. Now, there, were, well, there weren't any like fantastic restaurants. Pardon me, no disrespect to McDonald's or Subway. I've eaten at both, but we, those were the only ones here. Uh, I went to West St. Paul to Baker Square, which doesn't exist now, uh, to, uh, to meet people. And I did all my studying in Inver Hills Library. Uh, and Sue, who was so, God had so touched her heart for Inver Grove, she was home with little kids. And often, truth be told, just a little irritated with me that I got to drive over here and she had to stay home you know, when she wanted, so she would come over at night. Truth be told, the church really started in Sue's heart and my heart together, but it started in a woman's Bible study that met at Rolling Meadows in Inver Grove Heights. God bless you, Sue, for doing that. Uh, I, as, as we were talking about uh, coming to Inver Grove Heights, I would have people ask me questions like, 
Well, you know a lot of people in Invergrove, don't you? Uh, like, no. Well, you know some people in Invergrove, don't you? Uh, no. Well, you've been there a lot, haven't you? I drove through there one time on the way to Cottage Grove to coach a basketball game, and I, then I would say, could you stop asking me questions? I'm getting more and more nervous the more you ask me questions. And so I talked to God about it, and he said, John, no worries. I know everybody in Invergrove Heights. <laughs> South St. Paul, West St. Paul, Egan, Woodbury, Cottage Grove, all over the Twin Cities. And I love them all. And I'm just sending you to say that to them and to share my heart. I'll make the introductions, and he has. Now, Jesus' final words in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 28, help me get up and go, not just once, but day after day, month after month, year after year, as we've planted and had an opportunity to pastor this wonderful community. So Jesus said to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Can you get the theme here? Get up and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In other words, I'm with you till the job is completely done. I'll never abandon you. I'll never leave you. We're here to gather to do this great job. God called Abraham to get up and go. He's calling you and I to get up and go. Maybe it's next door or across the street. Maybe it's across the borders or across an ocean. We're going to do the same thing, whether it's next door or across the street or across the border or across the ocean. But you and I are being called to get up and go. Will you respond with faith and obedience like Abraham and Sarah did? You say, well, I want to. But where am I going to get the resources and the strategy to do what God wants? Jesus gives us a great promise in Acts 1.8. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's our resources, all the gifts, all the power, all the abilities of the Holy Spirit. That's available to you and I. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea. Those were the, the physically and culturally near places to the Jews. <clears throat> and you will be my witnesses in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those were physically further away and culturally further away. The whole book of Acts is the un unfolding of this great story. Holy Spirit comes on us, ordinary folks like Abraham and Sarah in their day, and you and I. And then the good news is shared all over the world. Rome, where Paul ends up in Acts 28, was considered at that time the ends of the earth. So let's be a blessing by welcoming people from other nations who are coming to the U.S., who are near us, maybe next door, maybe across the street, maybe at work with us. And then let's be a blessing by going to the nations, to those who are, are far away and sharing God's love with him. Let's go across the border. Let's go across the ocean. So let's go out of our way to notice. Now, uh, last night I, I was kind of trying to give Sue like a summary of my talk, trying to get her feedback, like, what do you think? Is this going to work? What should I change? What should I add? And Sue was so incredibly gracious. And she shares a couple ideas with me that I initially... I didn't want to do them. You know, I don't know how you are, and if you, and if you have friends or a couple, and you don't immediately always just spring to, oh, that's awesome and great. Uh, 
I usually like have a little slight little resistance, and so I said, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think I should do that. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I really totally should do that. Uh, so anyway, one of the things Sue said is, why don't you encourage people to go out of their way to notice people from other nations? Because that, that's what Sue does all the time. If you're ever around Sue, she's always looking. She's got her radar. She's looking, and she notices people that are new and that are from other nations. God bless you, Sue. I want to be more like you in doing that. I would encourage you to do that. Because you know what? Could we be the first ones to be like God and welcome people that are coming to our nation? You know, God's gone out of his way to welcome you and me and to his family. Ephesians 2, Paul says this, Remember, those of you who were formerly are Gentiles. Now, Gentiles simply means every nation, every people group that's not Jewish. So, anybody in the, in the, in the house here that's Jewish ethnically? Looks like all of us are Gentiles then, okay? Uh, so, Gentiles by birth, and we were called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship. Interesting. I never noticed that phrase until last week when I was reading this story again. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So consequently, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Christ, in him, the whole building is joined together. This, these are, this means followers of Jesus from every nation all over the world. And we're rising to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. Now, I remember what it was like to be without God, without hope in the world. I don't know if any of you remember that. I lived the first 19 years of my life that way. It was terrible. I wanted hope. I wanted somebody to love me and watch over me and care for me. I didn't want to be alone like I felt almost all the time. I always felt like I was kind of looking through the window or I was on the edges of the party, but I wasn't really in the party. I don't know if any of you ever felt like that. I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't say that to people because I'm Norwegian. Come on. You don't say those things. You just live them. Uh, anyway, you may be here today wondering if you belong, wondering if there's a place for you in God's family. I want to let you know there's a place for you. Jesus says, you belong. I want you in my family. All you need to do is put your trust in Jesus. Perfect work done for you. He wants you to experience his loving welcome, and then he wants you to be able to share that loving welcome with everyone you can. Today we're talking particularly people from other nations. Now God loves all people, we sang about that so well, and he shows special concern for the most vulnerable among us, orphans, widows, foreigners or immigrants. Here's a couple passages from Deuteronomy that let us know that. Deuteronomy 10, he ensures that he, God, ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you, and he gives them food and clothing. So you too must, can you say must with me? Must. That's just like not optional. 
This is not like some side little issue that isn't really part of being a follower of Jesus. This is at the core of being a follower of Jesus. You must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Can I step back? This is not a talk about immigration per se. I'd love to do a talk about that sometime. But I want to tell you, you know, we have, I want to say four things. One, we have an incredibly broken system. Two, we need secure borders. I think it's a country's privilege and responsibility to keep the border secure. But we need a much more generous way of welcoming people. And as followers of Jesus, wherever you are in the political spectrum, guess what? We need to lean toward immigrants, not away. You all agree with me, right? <laughs> Even if you don't, I love you. Okay? And we can talk more. Deuteronomy 24 says, When you're harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. And when you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over to the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. And if you didn't get it, three times, third time, when you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they're picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. Now, throughout Scripture, we see God using migration, people movements, to accomplish his purposes. We've already looked at the life of Abraham, who was called by God to move from Ur to the land of Canaan that God had promised him. Now, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, became a different kind of immigrant, one who was sold into slavery by his brothers and forced to leave his, his homeland. Do you know that millions of people have been forced into involuntary migration throughout history? Slave ships have brought Africans to England and the United States against their will. And today, the transatlantic slave trade is trafficking more people than ever in history. Now, thankfully, God was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he went from being a slave to being the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Now, God tested Joseph's character. Again, there's a theme here. God tested Abraham. God tested Joseph. If you read through Scripture, he tests every single person that follows him because he wants the best for us. And then he used him to save both his family, the people of Israel, and the people of Egypt because God is always interested in saving more. He wants his house to be full. Things changed in Egypt as a new pharaoh came to power. Pharaoh and his leadership team became afraid of the Israelites as they multiplied. And so they enslaved them and treated them brutally. But the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied. So then Pharaoh, again out of fear, ordered the murder of Jewish male babies. Can I just say this to you? Fear that immigrants will take jobs from, quote, native citizens and change the culture of a nation negatively, stirred by people in power who say that, has led to all kinds of unjust and inhumane treatment of immigrants all over the world, including in the U.S. It should not be. You and I should speak up when we hear those kinds of comments and challenge them. But a believing Israelite family refused to obey Pharaoh's unjust law and creatively saved the life of their son, Moses. And God used Moses to deliver Israel from slavery and oppression in Egypt. The Israelites then became refugees, fleeing to a new land full of challenges and opportunities. But immigrants also came to Israel and were welcomed as God commanded. Ruth, for example, came from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she diligently gleaned in the fields to provide for them. 
And the owner of the fields, Boaz, interestingly, uh, Boaz's mother was actually Rahab, who was from another nation. I never knew that till today when I read the genealogy in Matthew 1. You were all reading the genealogy when you were having breakfast, right? Yeah, I doubt it. Anyway, uh, but I noticed that. That's interesting. Something happened in Boaz's heart, I believe, and so he had a special concern and heart for those from other nations. And so later he marries Ruth, and they became, years later, the grandparents of King David who became Israel's greatest king. Now, the most notable immigrant and refugee in the New Testament is Jesus himself. His stepfather, Joseph, was warned by an angel to take Mary and Jesus and get out of Israel to escape Herod's plan to, guess what, to murder the Jewish male babies. Again, another theme, because we have an enemy who Jesus said is a murderer, Satan. And he worked in Pharaoh's heart, and he was working in Herod's heart, and God protected Jesus. And I'm sure they were very grateful, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, to be welcomed as immigrants, refugees, by the Egyptians. So welcoming people is a powerful way of loving and blessing them. What are some things you and I can do to love and bless people from other nations who are coming to the U.S.? Well, why not, why not have someone from a different country over for dinner or coffee and ask them, tell me your story, tell me what it was like living in your country. Tell me like, why you came, what it's been like for you now, and then share your own story. Build friendships. Pray together. Learn from each other. Now, Arrive Ministries is a wonderful Christian organization that's dedicated to living out God's command to welcome refugees and immigrants in Minnesota. You can look them up on the website. You might want to consider volunteering with them. So let's be a blessing by welcoming people from other nations who are near to us. Maybe next door, maybe across the street, maybe at work. And then let's be a blessing by going to the nations and sharing the love of God with them. Let's go across the border. Let's go across the ocean. Persecution scattered the early church, and the gospel spread throughout Judea to Samaria, which was an ethnically diverse area, and then to Africa, ultimately to Rome, which was considered the ends of the earth. Now, the church in Antioch was a wonderful multi-ethnic, multicultural community of disciples, and they followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to send, and they sent their best leaders. It says in Acts 13, among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. One day, these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit spoke. Appoint Barnabas and Saul to the special work which I have called them. What is that special work? It was to go to the nations. So after more fasting and prayer, of course more fasting and prayer, these were the best leaders in the church. They just weren't going to say, oh yeah, just go. No, they really evaluated this. This was going to be a, a cost to the church. Can I just say this to you? We need to sacrifice for the nations. Now, we are, and I'm going to tell you some of the things we're doing, but that's the pathway, I believe, that honors God. So Barnabas and Saul went, sent out by the Spirit. They went to the seaport of Seleucia, to the Jewish synagogues, and they preached the word of God, and John Mark went with them. You can read the rest of Acts 13. You could also read Acts 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, all the way to 28. It's a wonderful story, and it won't take you as long as you think. Now, here at River Heights, we've tried to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he's urged us to join him in loving and blessing the nations. So we've been working in Mexico, Turkey, Southeast Asia, and Africa for many years. 
Sue and I are privileged to lead a partnership that's part of an alliance of international churches from the U.S. that work in Mexico, churches in the U.S., in Costa Rica, in Chile, who are planting and strengthening churches in Mexico. Now, on one of our trips to Puerto Vallarta, which is where we focus as a local church, we were able to love and bless a young nine-year-old girl named Lily. Lily prayed with one of our team members. I think it was actually my daughter, Anna, and she gave her life to Jesus. And then she became part of the very first church that Mario and Letty planted. And she and another young girl a few weeks later asked them, why don't we have a church in our colonia? And so they said, well, where's your colonia? So they took Mario and Letty to the colonia, and they began to love and bless people there in Colonia Progreso. And now there's a church in Progreso that meets every Sunday night, and it's grown wonderfully during the pandemic because they've, they've cared for people. They've, they've provided food, much like we do with loaves and fishes in the evening. They provide meals for people, school supplies for children that, that couldn't go to school otherwise, and Bible classes. In fact, many of you support children in Mexico, and that money does that. So God bless you. On, <clears throat> on one of our trips, we were able to purchase all the kitchen cabinets for the church, and our dear Anita Oakman helped install a bunch of them. So thank Anita when you see her. Now, there's a medical and dental clinic in the church in Progresso, and Lily now, she's at around 20, she is, works in the dental clinic as an assistant, and she's learning job skills. And isn't it wonderful what God does when someone gives their life to him and when other people come alongside with the resources they have and say, God bless you, Lily. I've had the privilege of praying for Lily like every single time we come, and God does things with her. She's leading worship. She's teaching the Bible to kids there. We're so grateful for all of you that sponsor children in Puerto Vallarta and also in Africa through World Vision. God bless you. If you're interested in hearing more about that, we'd be glad to tell you. Now, we also partner with churches that share the gospel in Turkey, and we're proud to support David and Rebecca Schneider and their family who've worked in Turkey for many years. We're also grateful for our partners, Gary and Ninette Lansdowne, who've worked with refugees in Southeast Asia and who are working to foster unity between ethnic churches in Latvia. Now, one of the most wonderful examples to me of getting up and going and believing and obeying is the story of Antoine and Marta Duran, and I would encourage you to talk to them about that sometime. But they moved from Ecuador to the U.S. to plant a church that would reach many, many people, Latino people, but many others with the gospel. And they're doing such a great job. They took a risk of faith, and God is blessing them abundantly. I would encourage you to go to one of their services sometimes. You can get headset translation like I do. They would love to see you. They would love to welcome you. You'll be blessed. Thank you, Marta and Antoine and family, for coming here to bless us. What else might you do? Well, we'd love to have you consider taking a short-term mission trip to Puerto Vallarta with us sometime. We try to go every year. And we'd love to encourage you to support children in Mexico and in Africa. Now, here are four ways you can support River Heights' work in the nations. You can pray. You can give. You can give to missions. You can put it on your memo. You can go, and you can share your story. Now, we love to connect with God with worship and prayer as we close our services, so I'd love to have the music team come now. And as they're coming and getting ready, I want to share just a few practical steps that you could take to help this message find some traction in your life going forward. Read. You could read Genesis 12, 1 to 3. You could read Acts 13 and Acts 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and beyond. <laughs> However far you want to go. 
I would encourage you to pray. Ask God to give you his heart for people from other nations. And then do. Why don't you invite someone who's from a different country to dinner, to lunch, to coffee? Hear their story. Share your story. Build a relationship. And I want to pray for us, and I'd love to have those that pray for people here at River Heights, on the part of the prayer team, to come up and be available uh, for you as you receive prayer uh, during the worship. And can I just say, could we thank Courtney and her team for leading today? They just did it. They did and are doing an awesome job, and we're so grateful. Uh, as they were leading us, I had a, a Lord just kind of well, I had a picture of a Rolodex. Anybody old enough to remember a Rolodex? <laughs> yeah, we don't use them much anymore. Well, most of us don't. But anyway, I had that picture and got with words on each page. <laughs> I felt first like God said, does anybody need a shot of hope today? He's got a shot of hope for you. He, he wants to lift up your hope and give you more hope today. That's one thing. Somebody's got, like, I would say, a compromised immune system or it's just not working very well, and I, and I just saw God kind of reinforcing and strengthening your immune system. So if that relates to you, we'd love to pray for you. Um, there's a, been a whole theme here today of drawing near to God. James says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So I felt like some of you might have felt like maybe a little distance, a little, little more of a gap in your relation with God than you like, and I just kind of saw God pulling you toward him. Like, I want you close. My, uh, some of my grandkids were here in the first service, three little boys, three and under, and I, I just love it when they, like, do this kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, and then, come on, come close. You know, well, God, God is both doing that to you, and he loves it when you do that to him. He wants to draw you close, so we'd love to pray for you for that as well. Uh, this might be a little more challenging. Uh, I felt like some of you have been hurt by harsh leaders. Could be in your family, could be at work, sadly could be in a church context. If you've been hurt by harsh leaders, people speaking roughly to you, not treating you well, God doesn't, God's not in favor of any of that, and he wants to bring healing and freedom from you if you've experienced that. So we'd love to pray for you. Some of you, when I talk about welcoming people that are different from you, in your mind is, I have a little bit of challenge of welcoming people that are like me. Come on. What are you talking about? I get it. I get it. I, this has been a learning process for me, opening my life and welcoming and going toward people. God wants to break any and every fear you'd have of doing that. And then somebody's got digestive trouble, and you know, God would love to heal you. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and then we'd love to have you come and receive any, if, if any of these words relate to you, great. If they didn't, but you have something else, great too. Just come and get the prayer you need. Uh, I want to pray for all of us. If, you, if you're able to stand, would you mind standing? Uh, in the first service, I, got, I, I went down and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Hey, John, I would like to fill people with my presence today if they want that. Would you go up and invite them to that? So I want to do that today. If you'd like to be filled more with the Holy Spirit today, or Filled for the first time, if you've never known, like, what is that even po possible? It is. I'd like to pray for you. And sometimes it helps to just stretch out your hands, like, I'm going to give you a present, because I think God's going to give something to us. So, Lord, we thank you today for your presence and your love for us. We thank you that you love us all the same, and you show special concern 
to those who are most vulnerable. Lord, we give our lives to you. We say, Lord, would you love us? Would you, would you draw us close? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with love, hope, encouragement, peace, a sense of direction, healing? Would you come and fill us? And then, Lord, would you guide us as we learn to love and welcome others? And as we go next door, across the street, to the, to the cubicle next to us at work, or across a border, give us all that we need to love well, to welcome well, to go well. And we're going to worship now and just let the Holy Spirit work with you.